Welcome to another edition of Viking Voices. Today, we have current student-athlete Miles Smith, a member of the Western Washington University track and field squad, primarily a 400 runner, 200 runner, and also a clutch relay finisher for the Vikings. Um, welcome to the podcast, Viking Voices, Miles. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on here, Jeff. I'm looking forward to the discussions that we're going to get into today. And I, once again, I really appreciate you putting on this project for Black History Month. It's an honor to me to be a part of this. And yeah, thank you. Awesome. You are our third guest and uh, part of Black History Month that we're having conversations with some of our Black student athletes, past and present, and some of our coaches to hear their story and learn more about their journey to Western and their journey as student athletes. And Miles, thank you for letting us have this opportunity. Uh, we're going to touch on a, a little bit of everything today. You as a student athlete, you as a kinesiology major, uh, you as a, a, a runner, and then also as you as an, just a voice on this campus uh, for the Black community, something that I have really grown to learn about you since I've gotten to know you is um, all the good that you are doing, and I can't wait to share that with everyone. Um, when we talk about Miles, we're talking about, you know, someone that's an advocate. We're talking about someone that's cares about diversity and equity. And we're talking about someone that is just defines the term student athlete. So Miles, I, I'm just excited to get going here and to dive in and have a great conversation with you. Sounds good, Doc. Thank you for the introduction again. And yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Well, first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you're majoring in here at, at Western, um, what your career path you hope to have and what year you are at Western. I know it gets a little bit track and field, you can have different uh, eligibilities. And also with uh, COVID last year, uh, what, what's your true year in school? And uh, just give us a little bit of background and where you're from. Absolutely. So, you know, I'm originally from Phoenix, Arizona. I was born, born out in Arizona in a hot, humid, hot, humid state. But, you know, I made my way out here when I was about three years old. And actually, we moved to Bellingham. So actually, the Bellingham was the first city I lived in in Washington State. And then after that, I grew up in the Puyallup, Tacoma area and attended Puyallup High School. And so um, that's kind of a little bit about my background. You know, a lot of my family comes from down south. Um, so I do have a strong like knowledge of, you know, that area as well, just from, you know, my mom's side. And then um, what led me to Western really was just, um, you know, and, and it's, you know, the initial recruiting process. I was fortunate enough to, um, you know, get a spot on the team, um, you know, during my senior year of high school and, um, so I was really excited to, you know, just attend the university in that, in that aspect, just to, you know, be a student athlete. And then as soon as I started kind of researching more about the school, I noticed, you know, a lot about the kinesiology program. And it's just such a wonderful program at Western and has great professors. And, um, you know, during my senior year, I tore my ACL and underwent two surgeries. And so um, that whole year, you know, I spent a whole year rehabbing. And um, that's what initially led me to my interest in kinesiology as well and why I was so passionate about, you know, getting to Western and applying for the kin major. And so after that whole experience, rehabbing for a year and talking with, you know, PTs and, and doctors and kind of also just learning a little bit more about the um, inequalities within the system, even at that, at that point, I was like, man, I really do want to go into this field and um, help make a difference and provide more healthcare opportunities for black and brown communities. And so that's kind of what led me into the um, kinesiology major, specifically with PT, you know, just with that ACL surgery, I had two surgeries and um, 
that's, that's what led me to kinesiology. And then I'm also doing the physical education and health major as well, kind of a double major, um, learning more about PE and health. Cause before I do PT, I want to go into, um, teaching and, um, be a PE teacher first and work with youth. Cause I'm really passionate about that as well. And so, um, got a lot of definitely plans on my mind, but I'm just so excited to, um, take the steps to get there. And I'm very thankful for, you know, my parents were always supporting me through this journey as well. And um, a lot of my mentors out there that just have like helped me become the person I am today. I definitely would not be sitting here um, today without, you know, a lot of the folks that helped me get here. And so, um, yeah, that's a little bit about me and uh, my journey. So, yeah. I love it. Well, tell us a little bit about your role in the track and field team. Kind of, you're a, a senior, I'm going to call you a senior, you're a senior leader. Um, you have the awesome distinction of the school indoor record holder for the 400 meters set last year at the GNEC championships. And, uh, you know, you've been a part of some winning relay teams as that final leg. So tell us a little bit about your role on the team, um, some of your connections with your teammates and some of the, some of you taught, you've told me about some of the people that you look up to on the team, both when you came here and also just the current teammates. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, you know, my role in the team, I would say, is being, uh, you know, a supporter and an inspirer. Um, you know, when I first came in as a freshman, I um, didn't really have the opportunity to race in a whole lot of meets because I was still injured. And um, I just wasn't quite, I didn't have quite have the time to get in. So a lot of times, you know, I would be there just cheering for my teammates. And um, I was just really passionate about showing that support to everyone because when you are in sports and you're, you can be a part of a culture where, you know, your teammates care and they really like want to see you do well. It's just a beautiful thing. And so, um, you know, right from the get-go, I always made it a, made it a, you know, a major, major thing just to show my love to people, you know, at practice, always cheering for them, um, traveling to meets, even if I wasn't necessarily like competing and I couldn't go and I, and I couldn't run in the races, I was still, I would still go and cheer on my teammates. And so I would say being a supporter is a big one. Um, always checking in with my teammates. And um, this year has been a little bit hard with, you know, COVID and um, my work schedule. So the last few months have been a little bit, um, you know, tough with that. But overall, just throughout the last four years, that's what I really prided myself in. And um, also as well, um, you know, being a part of three conference champion championship teams, I'm really proud of, you know, everyone who, put in the work to um, make that happen. That doesn't, that's a whole team effort, right? And so we had a lot of people, so I'm pretty sure at a couple, we had everybody score, right? And so um, our coaches have just done a wonderful job with, um, you know, preparing us for a lot of these meets, um, both mentally and physically. And so, um, yeah, I would say, you know, as support and also as inspire, I'd say, you know, when I get on that relay leg, I just, I give it everything I have always. And you can like see it in my face. I just like, I just want to go, go so hard to the point where, you know, you can't go. Like, that's just, that's just how I've always like played sports. And um, I would say being an inspirer is another role of mine on the team as well. Well, it's a perfect segue into my next question. Cause in addition to being an inspirer on the team, you're an advocate on campus for a number of areas. And I just want to touch on those areas because I found them to be so incredibly important, um, not just in the last year that I've really learned that about you, but the whole way through your college career, I've seen you grow um, kind of in, from a shy young man into this amazing 
leader and mentor in so many different areas. So talk about that advocacy that you are so passionate about on campus, not only as a black student athlete, um, but just as a black young man that you are doing such great things. Talk about some of the areas that you're touching as an advocate, some of the groups that you're part of, some of your goals. And this is going to be a little bit of a longer question because I think this is one of the most important is, is what are some of those things that, that you're just diving into right now and, and, and tell us about what, what your goals are in that area. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate that segue. I'm, I'm excited to talk about, talk about this because I've been involved in a few different things on campus and um, the biggest one, um, you know, for me is just the Black and Browns Men's Resiliency Program and the Black and Brown Male Success Collective that we've fostered, you know, really in this past, you know, two years. Uh, Brandon Joseph, you know, he's my mentor. He leads the group along with um, Lucas and Dr. J uh, as professors on campus. And they really um, help point a lot of, you know, students in, in a direction of, you know, social justice and adv advocacy and just learning about um, how to educate ourselves more. Um, and, um, you know, for me, that group's been a huge, huge support system. And that's kind of where I first, um, you know, really made my connections with like Jalen and Eric. I met, I met them as freshmen. And so, you know, those guys have had my back since day one. We've done a lot within that program. We led, um, you know, a discussion over the summer uh, with I think around 200 faculty and students about um, social justice. And it, it was in reaction to, um, a lot of the un social unrest that was occurring, with, you know, with, uh, at the height of George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor. And we really just set the space to help people, um, you know, heal and have their voices, have their voices, um, you know, told. And so that was, I would say, you know, one of my biggest projects I've been a part of. Uh, it was a pretty long process uh, preparing for that. But, you know, Jalen, again, he was, a huge support system and getting that getting that going and I was able to share some of my poetry in that space and so the black and brown male success collective has been a huge huge space for me and um in addition to that you know in my in my major uh I'm a part of the bio uh biology and uh, uh specifically like uh, anatomy and physiology club and so um this was a group of students who have took the class, who are TAs for the class like me now, and then also former students who graduated. And within this space, we hold conversations about like healthcare equity. And we also like mentor current students across different, um, different generations. So we've had people in this group that, you know, graduated from Western seven years ago. And I, we actually just met uh, on the 14th on Valentine's Day. We had our first meeting yesterday and um, me and a few other students helped lead that. And we're all about just, you know, mentorship and connecting students um, and helping them really like learn more about the field. Cause that's something that I'm trying to learn myself, right? The healthcare field is so broad and um, there's so much to learn. And so I've been also networking with a lot of former students at Western uh, and connecting them with current students. So that's been one of my current projects right now is talking about healthcare equity um, and peer mentoring um, through anatomy and physiology and Professor Yamamoto, I'm not sure if you, if you know her, but she's an amazing professor. She's been a huge part of fostering that space. Um, in addition to that, I've also mentored students and helped them get uh, into the kinesiology major. Um, a few, few students came to me about a year ago, um, African-American students, and they just wanted to like get some more insight and advice on how to get in. So I've also mentored some students and helped them get in the major as well. 
Um, and then Compass to Campus has also been a big one too. You know, I love Compass to Campus and they do amazing things, you know, with, with the university and through all the schools out in the greater Bellingham area. And I started Compass Campus my freshman year and I'm still involved now. So, you know, even though I can't necessarily go to the school and mentor kids, um, I do email pen pals. So I actually email like middle school students and just send them like words of encouragement and advice and check in with them. And so, um, that's, that's a huge, that's been a, that's probably been one of my favorite, most favorite things I've been involved with on campus was the C2C program, just cause, you know, I was able to go in the school and, you know, eat lunch with the kids and tell them a little bit about the university. And I also helped them apply for the college bound scholarship, which starts, I believe in eighth grade and, um, help students get more funding when they get in college. So, you know, I was going to the lunchroom, handing out applications for that. You know, they're, they're eighth graders, but I was like, hey, you know, like this is gonna help you in the future. And so I've really took it upon myself to be a mentor to youth. Um, Cause you know, I'm just passionate about inspiring, inspiring folks. And, um, you know, whenever I go in the school, um, you know, I could see, you know, I see their faces and, you know, I'd be out at recess, I'd read to them in the classroom. Um, it was just, it was an amazing experience. So those are like, I would say the, the four things that strike out the most um, for me. Um, so yeah. yeah. We can go on and on and on. And the word ambassador and leader come to my <laughs> mind after hearing all those things. And we haven't even touched on everything. Um, one of the great things that I, I learned about you was you're, that you're, you're so involved with the, the BIPOC community. And one of the things that you mentioned that you, one of your goals and even talking to the VP over athletics is uh, kind of having some academic support for BIPOC in the athletic department. Talk about how that came up and what are some of your goals in that area and, and, and how that's going. Because the more I learn about you is that, you know, you've got, you've got your tentacles out there in so many different great areas, but this is one area where I think that you're really, really passionate about is, is bringing something into the department for the future of student athletes. Yeah, definitely. You know, so um, with with this product I've been working on with the athletic department, it really was in reaction to me kind of learning a little bit of, more about sport as a microcosm of society. And you know, what that means to me is that a lot of the systems of oppression that we see in the broader scope of the world they exist within athletics, right? And so we have a huge, we have so much power as a program to you know address these systems and also just make it a warm space for student athletes and really like, um, you know, help them achieve successes within graduation and also being, uh, being successful on, you know, the track, on the court, where, wherever it is. And so, um, you know, within the athletic department, I've networked with coaches and um, also networked with people across campus, like uh, Brandon and also, you know, the VP of students, Belinda Husky. And we've talked a little bit about like how we can provide more cultural um, and academic support for student athletes. And so that's kind of been my main mission is looking at how we can, how we can do that right. And one of the things that I learned um, within the past month was that the NCAA um, has also started to talk about this, right? And so, you know, being a part of the NCAA, we do have um, a lot of power to address systems of oppression. And, um, you know, with, with this project, we're looking at, you know, helping more students um, get these areas of support like academic and cultural sport when they come right into Western, right, right when they're freshmen. Um, I think during my experience, you know, I learned about a lot of these, like there, you know, there's so many different um, 
great resources across campus, but sometimes it's hard to actually, you know, understand like how to go there or when, or, you know, like if you're able to, what time, like there's so many different factors that play into a person being aware of resources, even like the tutoring center. And so, you know, this product has really just been all about um, ushering students to these support areas as soon as they come in. So they, you know, they know where the Black Student Union is, right? They know where to go for that if they're ever feeling, you know, not culturally supported on campus. And so um, that's kind of a little bit about, you know, that project. And um, we've put a lot of work into this and it's really exciting uh, seeing some of the things that have happened. And it's been a blessing being able to, um, yeah, just network and also just see the support from people in the department and athletics, you know, um, that's what this is all about. And so I'm really glad that, you know, folks are coming together and um, it's, yeah, it's been a great experience and I'm really proud to like finish, you know, on this note, you know, as a senior and be a part of this project um, and really just like help, help, um, help make, help make, you know, more, more strides in the future for, for folks. You are definitely starting some projects that will have a lasting legacy. And I was part of that, uh, talk that you guys gave, uh, I believe it was in June or July with over 200 people that Brandon, Joseph, uh, and your group um, helped organize. And it was amazing. You guys did such a great job. That event, did that kind of help give you a little bit of confidence too, in terms of uh, a lot of what you're doing and, and advocating involves exposing yourself a little bit and being out there and, um, and it's okay to be uncomfortable in situations, right? I mean, public speaking is a tough thing. Uh, giving presentations is a tough thing. Has this helped you realize what you're capable of as a young man to have that confidence um, to, to talk and lead these things? Absolutely. You know, I can remember, you know, last spring uh, heading into that meeting, I was definitely, you know, nervous. I didn't know how many people were, you know, gonna, you know, show up or, you know, even just like, you know, understand, like, say what I was saying, right, and um, it was, it was, it was extremely, extremely helpful to be a part of that meeting, and um, to have, like, you know, the mentors in that group, like Dr. J, Lucas, and Brandon, just, um, you know, work with me on how I can, like, understand how to address systems of oppression, and also, like, better my confidence into, in doing that, right, because a lot of, a lot of these conversations and a lot of these meetings that we have over Zoom and that we've had over Zoom in the past, you know, six, seven months um, have been, you know, all about, all about addressing these issues, these issues. In order to do that, you know, confidence is key, right? And that's something that I've struggled with, you know, over the years, just in my, in, you know, in my own personal experiences growing up. And so, you know, they've, they've always had my back and they've really helped me, um, sort of just like blossom and have more confidence in myself to have these discussions. And I've always cared about, um, you know, these issues, but I didn't always necessarily have like the words or, you know, the confidence in myself to speak. And so, um, you know, with, with my writing and my poetry, I know that, you know, a little bit about that. I've always done that ever since I was a kid. I have a couple of journals that, you know, have, have some words I wrote when I was in like third grade that I still look at every once in a while. And so I've always loved uh, writing um, and and public speaking too. It's just it's just been the confidence part. And so, man, that that discussion in the spring definitely helped me get more confidence in myself and also just um, 
feel more supported too because a lot so many people showed up to that meeting i know you were there and it was great it was great to see you to see you on there too and talk to you and um that was just huge i mean that i know a lot of students across campus felt um felt very supported in that space and so um yeah i, I think vividly back on it a lot of, a lot so Brandon Joseph, you mentioned his name a few times. He's become a friend of mine. You know, he has an athletics background, um, you know, working at the University of Louisville. Uh, always been a fan of the GNAC. He grew up in Fairbanks. So Brandon has done wonderful things in just a short amount of time on our campus. And uh, it's been exciting to learn from him. I've had a couple conversations that, uh, you know, he, he definitely uh, knows and, and uh, makes you feel like, you know, you want to learn these things. So it's, it's great to connect the dots on these because he's a friend of ours, a friend of mine, and he's, uh, he's made a great impact on you. And, uh, you know, he is a, a BIPOC. He, he's a Native American. Um, and you have a little connection to that. You know, I read up on you and you're, I think it was on your LinkedIn profile. You, you were a student mentor out in Lummi Nation. Um, probably had ties into the PE side of things that you want to do. I don't know if it was an internship, but talk about what you did uh, out in the Lummi Nation. For those listeners that don't know, uh, Lummi Nation is, is Bellingham. Uh, it's the native land that we live on and our campus sits on. Um, talk about that experience and the mentorship that you're able to have and, and what you learned uh, working out there. Yeah, you know, being, being out in Lummi was, was, was an amazing experience. And, um, you know, a lot of the native students there, I really felt like when I, when I, you know, when I first came there, um, they were so, they were really welcoming. And I think that it was really helpful for them to also have a person of color, you know, in their space and in their classroom, like sitting right next to them, you know, reading to them, um, you know, with them at recess. And, you know, those, those students there, they were, they were amazing and just so bright and caring. And I remember I was in an art class and one of the students, um, after a few weeks I was there, you know, made me like a bracelet. I was just like, man, you know, I love, I love being here with these kids. And, um, you know, specifically in a lot of the classrooms, a lot of it was just one-on-one, one-on-one work with students. Um, and whether it was like, you know, like English or math. And so that was really helpful just to kind of like get a little bit more insight on how to, you know, work with the kid in a one-on-one setting and, you know, encourage them, right? Because reading can be hard, you know, at, at young ages. And so it was just, it was a great experience being able to, you know, always encourage and inspire them. And they inspired me too, because they, they worked really hard, you know, and the community up there was, um, yeah, just very warm and welcoming to me. Um, I'll say, I was just, you know, thankful to be invited to a few ceremonies as well. Um, I think it was in the springtime and, um, yeah, I just, I, it was, yeah, it was, a, it was a blessing. And I also got a chance to um, mentor at Nooks, Nooksack Valley Middle School as well. And so, um, you know, another school where a high percentage of BIPOC students as well. Uh, and I just, I love, I love working with youth and, you know, also BIPOC youth too. Cause you know, when I was, when I was a young kid, I didn't have, you know, a BIPOC teacher until I think about sixth grade it was so a lot of those younger years it's extremely helpful being able to see someone that looks like you um that's you know able to you know give you advice and encouragement and and just you know overall academic support so it was I love being out that Lummi. yeah it's, it's pretty inspiring to hear all the all the areas that you've touched in just a short amount of time up here at college um 
But I want to segue kind of into the main topic here that we're talking to you, Miles. And uh, February is Black History Month. And, um, you know, I think it is just a great conversation to have. And a question that I just want to ask you is, what does Black History Month mean to you? For me, I would say, you know, with Black History Month, it's a time for for the Black community to be able to, you know, showcase our history, you know, especially with how this country has portrayed our history, they've often, you know, this silenced it, right? I know a lot of times throughout history, when you look at um, things like the civil rights movement, when you look online, a lot of those pictures are in black and white. And, you know, they did that for a reason and it, they're intentional with that. And so with Black History Month, it's a time for us to really um, illuminate and highlight, you know, the beauty of black culture and black history. And so um, that kind of leads me into talking a little bit about the power of um, counter storytelling. And that um, specifically addresses um, disenfranchised groups and uh, it helps them tell their stories from their perspective, not from a perspective of say like the oppressor, but from, you know, our perspective. And I think that's just a, an amazing thing. And, you know, whenever I look on, you know, social media or talk to people about, you know, black folks throughout history, it's, it's just a beautiful thing. Cause you know, when I was, when I was in school, I never learned that. Like it just wasn't something that was talked about in school. Um, and it's important to know that black history is American history. And, um, you know, we're a part, we're part of this, of this country's history. And so to have, you know, you know, to have this month is, you know, Carter by Carter G. Woodson, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it, it's a beautiful thing. And so, um, that's, that's what I would say, you know, what it means to me. It's just being able to tell our stories and, um, you know, also from, you know, from our perspective as well. Um, how do we extend these conversations? Just, it's not about February. It, how do we extend these conversations and make sure that we extend these conversations to 365 days a year, 12 months, and, you know, in, in the summer when, you know, there's not stuff going on at college campus? How do we continue to learn and have these conversations that are so important for all of us. Yeah, you know, for helping these conversations, you know, stay rich and be rich throughout the whole year, I think that it starts with more people, you know, just sharing, sharing, sharing history and sharing stories. I think social media has a huge power these days. Um, and I think the more people that do share, you know, black history, whether it's in academic spaces or, you know, in social media, throughout the whole year, I think that that will help, you know, highlight, highlight, you know, this country's history um, in, re in a regard that, you know, shows respect. And I think that all communities need to be able to tell their history throughout the whole year. And, um, you know, just to give you a specific example, I think that it does start in the education system, right? Um, I think that, you know, in history classes, um, black history needs to be talked about more and it needs to be protected more. Um, and so I think, you know, when we go through these younger grades, if we can, when we learn um, that this is a standard to be able to celebrate, you know, history for a full year and to always, you know, uplift it, I think that that can help future generations uh, to come when we've sort of like normalized it, right? Like this is what we do. We talk about black history, um, you know, always, right? And cause you know, I always will, especially when I have kids, you know, um, and, so I would say teaching it 
teaching it more at younger ages and sharing it more, um, whether it's in, like I said, in social media or academic spaces um, and whatnot. So, yeah. How much have you learned about your family in terms of history through you have, as you have evolved and as you have as matured um, now as a college student in your 20s, how much have you kind of dove in and, and, and learned more about your family history and more about your Black history and, and how that's been an impactful part of the person that you are? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. And I appreciate you for bringing that up because um, I think learning about your own family history is extremely empowering. And, um, you know, for my story, um, learning about my family's, you know, Black history, it was a challenge at a younger age because I wasn't always connected with you know, my family in the South and uh, my dad was adopted. And so um, a lot of times I was always asking so many questions to the kid, like, man, I want to know, like, you know, I would just want to know more about my family, but it was always hard because a lot of this, some stories didn't always get passed down, right? Because of things like slavery um, and, you know, these systems of oppression that take away our ability to learn about it. Um, but with that, I think the power is when you do get a chance to learn about it, you hold that, you hold that so tight to yourself because, you know, even if it's only a few stories, you always, you'll always be able to know, know those. And so, you know, my, uh, in my family, we call our, um, our grandma's big mama. And so, you know, my big mama was from Gainesville, Texas, and, um, you know, she was a nurse. And so that's, that's a huge inspiration to me to know that, you know, my big mama, she was a nurse and she, she was in the healthcare system, right? And so, um, you know, that, and to have that type of, that history in my family was always something as a kid, I always like looked up to, cause um, you know, when she was, I believe around the eight, you know, fifth, fifth or sixth grade, um, you know, she had to learn how to do math because her family um, was being cheated, um, you know, in their money, right? And so, cause you know, her family, they were, you know, they were sharecroppers and so, a lot of times they would get cheated out of their money. And so when she was a young kid, she, she saw that happen and she counted, she counted the money and she knew what was going on. I just, I have so much love and respect for her. And, um, you know, she, I know she's a huge inspiration to my mom as well. And um, she passed away when I was younger, um, but yeah, you know, those stories, those family stories are huge, are huge. So I would say um, it's, really, it's really important to just hold those tight because you don't always get to get to know them. That'd be great. You, you know, you have some unique connections to Bellingham. Uh, you said you moved up here when you were about three. I believe your father went to high school in Bellingham and Seahome. Um, talk about some of the challenges that you heard, not, not only yourself has had as a young Black man moving back to Bellingham, but uh, your father growing up in Bellingham and Whatcom County and going to see home. What, what are some of those challenges uh, that you've endured um, and had to over overcome moving up to Whatcom County and, and to Western? Yeah. So I would say, you know, in Whatcom County and moving up to the um, Western Washington University area, I think, you know, with it being a predominantly white institution, it is, it is a challenge navigating. Right. And so with my dad, uh, being in the area as you know a young kid I think he definitely really like longed for that cultural support support um, but it was just challenging to find back then because I think also at that time there's probably less diversity in the area and so um, I can remember him telling me that when he first you know I think traveled elsewhere outside of the Whatcom County 
it was just, you know, a beautiful, beautiful experience being able to be around, you know, more Black students. And I think that that's one of the major things in education is um, being in settings where, you know, you have students around you that also look like you. And I think that that was something that uh, was definitely hard for him um, as a kid. And um, I know that within like sports settings, he was able to find find some of that cultural sport, which is really helpful for him. I know he played soccer at Seahome and also basketball at Seahome and was a part of some really like good teams. And um, they traveled down to, you know, stayed a few years. And um, I think that sports for him was a huge outlet in getting that support. And so I think that's, again, that's what we're about, right? With athletics is, you know, finding ways to provide that support. And so um, I think for him, yeah, the biggest challenge was, and academic spaces, finding that cultural, um, critical cultural awareness um, in, in, in the area. Um, and I think sports kind of led him to find that because he ended up uh, being a basketball coach at Kent Meridian High School, which um, you know, at the time was the most diverse high school in the state. And so I think sports for him was were a huge outlet. And you know he was a part of some very, very good teams, very, very good teams at Kent Meridian High School. And so He's been, you know, a huge mentor, mentor to me and, um, you know, a, whole, a lot of love for him. I'm sure he's going to watch this. So, you know, if you're watching this, all love to you. you. You yourself as a student athlete at Western, as, a, as an ambassador and as an advocate on campus, you, you had to have learned a lot during this process of your four years at Western. And I'm going to simply state this, you know, what do you want your legacy to be at Western? because you've just talked about some amazing things and are, is there anyone that you're kind of helping mentor right now that you want to kind of help pass the torch to, to help keep this going. And um, kind of a, you know, I guess a follow up long winded question would be how do we keep Miles Smith's passion going when you graduate from Western? Uh, That's a, that's a big question, Um, (laughs) man, you know, there's a student I'm mentoring right now, his name is Savan. And, um, you know, we frequently talked throughout the quarter and he, he's, he's someone who I see kind of like seeing myself, you know, like, um, he's, he's just really passionate about kinesiology and he, he's been a part of a lot of these conversations as well. And I've also talked to him about, you know, social justice, um, and what kind of what's been going on, um, you know, whenever we get a chance to, and, um, I would say for him, you know, I definitely, um, see him as someone who can, you know, continue this legacy at Western and um, specifically, you know, mentoring students and helping address um, equity in science spaces because he's also going to be in the kinesiology major as well. And um, we actually have a program at Western called the Advancing um, Excellence and Equity in Science Program. And so I really see him as someone who can help um, foster this legacy and continue this legacy of addressing you know, equity in spaces. And I would say overall, just for um, any students out there that are listening um, or folks a part of the WW community um, that um, it, that I've heard a little bit about what I've done and if I've touched any of y'all, I just want to relay the message that, um, you know, it takes time and it takes effort to um, address issues in, in these spaces um, and, you know, don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, I would say like, I, as I mentioned before, I, I wouldn't be here today without, you know, the folks that helped mentor me and give me the confidence to help 
um, build this legacy. And so I would say like, um, network as much as you can. There's so many great professors and um, resources across campus that can help you learn more about systems of oppression. And so, you know, I, I've talked to a lot of people that care and they just wanna know how to do the work. And so um, it's all about, you know, reading and talking to people and listening. A lot of times when I go into meetings, um, I might not really know um, what to say. Um, and a lot of times I'm like, man, I, this is the first time I'm hearing about this, but you know, I just, if we're on Zoom, I put myself on mute and I just take notes. And I think that's all about, you know, educating yourself and just spending time when you can, spending time when you can. Um, that's, that's what I would say. It's pretty awesome. I, I can't wait to see what you do and I can't wait to see the impact you're going to have. Um, and I'm always going to be touching base with you. I know that much, but, uh, one of the things that you just mentioned is the social justice stuff that's been going on and, and, you know, with social media, how, how much is out there? How's that all, how's all this affected you? The last, you know, the last year alone with COVID and, and then the Black Lives Matter movement and all the injustice that has been done. How, how has this affected you as a young man? And, uh, and how, you know, how do, how, do you, how do you help people get through this? You know, people on your team, friends, roommates, how, how, how has this affected Miles? Yeah, so it's been, you know, it's been, there's been times where, you know, I broke, I've broken down, you know, over the last six, seven months and, you know, shed tears and felt confused and just frustrated and also, you know, really angry about, you know, what's happened and specifically within, you know, this past election and, you know, all, there's just been so many things that have like been really, that have angered me. And I, I think that I've just had a fluctuation of emotions. Like some, some weeks I'm like, I feel, I'm like, I want to, you know, address these issues. I feel inspired because I want to make the change. And then, you know, seeing something happen, like, you know, in the news, it, it, it just kind of like sets you back and you're just like, man, I, um, I feel really down and, and kind of lost. And so I think that the last six, seven months I've had just a fluctuation of emotions. And, um, with that though, you know, um, it was really, it was really helpful being able to vent with, with folks, whether it was like, you know, coaches or, um, you know, teammates, you know, in the, in the department. And I think that, you know, with my teammates, um, it's definitely affected them because we've had a lot of conversations about what's happened, you know, on the phone late at night. And I think it's, it's affected all of us. Right. And so, um, the most, the, the biggest thing I've learned, I would say during COVID and during, you know, this, um, time of, um, social justice is, um, just the importance of connection and social connection helps reduce like our stress levels, you know, and, um, I think, you know, being separated and, and seeing a lot of the hardships that have happened have been extremely difficult, right? You know, and um, with that, there's been a lot of spaces that have opened up um, to people in the community, um, you know, like online Zoom spaces. I go to a couple um, where I just get some mentorship from people and that's been really helpful for me. And so, um, again, like I said before, this whole, with what's happened, I definitely would not be here um, where I am today without the people that did, you know, have my back through this whole time. And, you know, big shout out to 
you know, my group, uh, the Black and Brown Male Success Collective for that too, because they've, they've, we, we meet weekly and we've, we've kept in touch back since like, you know, March, March, April, May. Um, and so, yeah. Pretty cool, pretty cool group there. Um, you know, through the, some of these stressful times, um, is there a quote or a poem or a Black history leader that you kind of look to for inspiration when you're, when you're trying to get through those tough days, when you were balancing practice and school and Zoom meetings, and you may not have left your, uh, your house or your apartment for a couple of days, is there, is there a, something that you just have a go-to um, or someone that you look up to that you say, I really need to reach out to, to this person um, to lift you up? Yeah, so um, I, really, I really loved like Dr. King's poetry. And so um, whenever I am feeling you know, stress and whatnot, uh, and, you know, confused and a little bit lost during this time, I say I definitely resort to, to poetry. And so, you know, Dr. King, Langston Hughes, um, you know, Malcolm X, a lot of the words that they've, you know, put forth for people to, you know, still hold to this day, um, are just, they're brilliant. And a lot of times when I watch, watch what they say, you know, live, right, they're saying this live, it's, it's extremely empowering. And so I would, I would say like looking at past um, influential black leaders in the past um, and also athletes too, I would say like um, are very inspiring to me. And I know like, you know, John Carlos um, bronze medalist in the 1968 Olympics is someone that I actually got a chance uh, to see speak last, um, last year with the black and brown uh, male success collective at Highline Community College. We got a chance to see John Carlos speak and for those of you that may not know John Carlos, you know, he, he stood uh, with Tommy Smith um, and hold the, hold, held the black power sign. Um, and I didn't know this, but they actually went out and they didn't have socks or, or shoes on. And this was to show, um, you know, black poverty and to address it internationally in an in international space. And so I would say like um, uh, hearing stories about influential leaders, um, whether it was in the social justice movement or, you know, specifically in athletics, I would say like have, have really helped me during this time. Cause you know, a lot of folks back then, they started their, you know, careers so early in social justice and they dedicated their whole lives to this movement. And for me, that's so inspiring. Cause they, you know, they spent day after day um, working to create a better future for, you know, folks like myself today who are, who do have, you know, the opportunity to be able to navigate in these settings. And so um, I would say in those times, I always look back at them because they dealt with so much, right? And um, worked extremely hard for, to create, you know, the opportunities that I do have today, so. You mentioned earlier that you're a writer and a poet and a lot of those parallels kind of show in, in who you look up to. Um, the power of the pen is, is pretty amazing when you can sit down with your thoughts and your, and, and I know that's something that you do a lot. You mentioned, you look at some third grade readings of yourself, but you read a poem uh, during that conference in, in the summer, over the summer that moved me. And I want to give you the opportunity here to read that poem for our audience. Cause I, I was moved by it. And I, I want to give you the opportunity because not only to see the words, from it, but to hear you say it um, is, 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 is pretty amazing, Miles. So if you have that in front of you, I'd love to give you the chance to recite your poem. 
Thank you. Yeah, I guess I'll give it a couple moments and I'll start reading it. So thank you for allowing, allowing us to, to do this. Here's my Black Lives Matter poem. Black Lives Matter to me means remembering that my ancestors are my wildest dreams to see. You see, a tree cannot be without strong roots, fresh water, and a vibrant sun. And when being Black in America, you need the strength to navigate the system, enough love to replenish your spirit from the hatred, and a powerful light inside of you to illuminate resilience from the injustices brought upon you. Not all of us can find this light, however, because on the inside, it feels like we've been given nothing to shine on. Our country's soils, soils have been embedded with seeds of illusion that lie in confusion. We've never known the land of the free or the home of the brave. How can I be free but still hold the last names of the ones who enslaved me? But dare me question now years later the freedoms they supposedly gave me. It enrages me because while America can make you feel like a dreamer, they also institutionalize you. That shouldn't surprise you, that's what lies do. Our life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness has been denied to, but let me confide to you. It's benevolence we want. We all want to be guided to our excellence in this world. We're all stars looking to radiate our energy out in the universe. And right now, it is up to us to look out for the lone stars that have been lost in the sky. And as George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, and Breonna Taylor fly high, and we let their souls rest in peace as we say goodbye. We're tired of being numb to cry from seeing the pain and the hurt in our mother's eyes. It is I that often put a pen to page to mend my rage. Because at a young age, I learned that there, I learned that education is the great equalizer. It's not money that makes you richer, it's your mental. And while my voice may be gentle, it's filled with emotion because loving another human being should be fundamental. None of us are meant to struggle. To, all, to go far, we must go together. And to me, that's what Black Lives Matter means. It's being an advocate and standing in solidarity. And I hope you can accept my peace and blessings and join me in procuring change. Oh, that's great, man. I have, it doesn't, you know, every time I hear you say that or when you send it to me, it's, it has a different meaning. And I've really dove in and tried to learn as much as I can. But hear, to hear you say that and this expression and then learn about what you're doing about this is, is really special, Miles. I'm going to say it as, a, as someone that, you know, my job is to publicize a program uh, and a department that you're part of. Um, but to see what you and so many others on our campus are doing to help and to educate. And I, I know that you don't take that lightly because education is not necessarily something that you need to do, but what, you, what you're doing on those words in that poem are just amazing. And uh, I, I'm, I thank you for reading it for us. Um, thank you. You know, we'll have it in the text of this too. So make sure people can see that, but um Really powerful stuff, man. I'm, a, I'm, I'm really proud of you. Like I said, I'm proud of you on the track. I'm proud of you in the classroom. I'm proud of you for what you've done in the community, but I'm, I'm even more proud of, of how you handle stuff like this. Um, and with, you know, Black History Month is, is, a, is a good time for us to kind of put this out there a bit. I, it's not gonna stop in February uh, for me, or it's not gonna stop for our, our department, but uh, thank you for reading that because that, that is, that's pretty cool. And it has a lot to do with your legacy. I think at Western, um, I can see someday, um, you know, the, the next miles is going to have that, a, a copy of that poem. Uh, and, uh, I know I'm going to have it printed out in my office too, because that, that is, that is pretty amazing. Um, I guess my last question more surrounding this before I do want to end on kind of a track and field student athlete question is ultimately the work that we have to do in this area 
involves everybody. It involves everybody. You, as a, a white male that works in a higher education, how do I get involved? How, does, how do I stay involved? And how do I dive into these topics on a more regular basis? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, and thank you for, again, for your, you know, your words about, you know, my poem. I really do appreciate that. And, um, you know, with um, folks wanting to learn more about um, addressing social injustice, um, really what it comes down to is, you know, initially asking yourself, like, how much, you know, how much, how much do I, you know, how much I care, right? Like, you know, how much time am I going to put in? Um, who do I know? Who can I talk to? I think, um, you know, understanding your place in a space is very vital. And when, you know, you go into spaces where you're with um, um, BIPOC and you're, you know, you're trying to learn, it's really important, you know, to listen and, you know, take notes and write down everything you can, can learn, can learn from us. Um, Cause you know, we live the experience, you know, in this country and we hold, you know, we hold the traumas that, you know, our ancestors went through. And so I think that, you know, for folks that want to learn, it's all about, you know, connecting with, with, you know, folks out there that do want to, you know, network and tell their stories and, and make, and make, um, you know, our communities better. And so I think like, um, one, finding a space where you can go and listen is really important. And then also, um, you know, finding more resources, on, you know, online, on social media that you can go to, to learn, um, you know, whether it's just, you know, seeing an update every day on, you know, current issues, that's really helpful because you know now you understand like okay I know what's going on in my own community. So talking to folks in your own community is very helpful, you know, to start. And um, like I said, you know, research articles, journal articles are very vital. Um, but also, you know, like I mentioned earlier, counter storytelling right is so important because not everyone is able to write you know a journal article. It's great to have those for the folks that you know do want to have you know that research based type material. So go to that. Um, um, but if you're someone that likes, you know, listening to like the anecdotes, um, find folks, find folks in our communities. I know there's a lot of people on campus that do, um, do know, do know spaces that talk about these issues. We do, you know, if anyone, if anyone wants to talk to me after they watch this, after they watch this video, you know, more, you're more than welcome to find me on social media or on email uh, to talk to me about where you can go to learn and also find spaces that, you know, are, are open to you know to 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 engaging in dialogue across social bounds across racial bounds you know that's that's what I would say good advice the key there for me is like conversation and listening um you know I'm taking the I think we all more of us need to take the approach of uh ears open and uh mouth shut when it comes to learning about this stuff and I like even today with you I learned a lot um I, I'm, I'm so proud of you. Um, and it, it's, it's, it's so fun to, to hear you talk about these things and see the passion um, in your eyes because they're serious topics. And I know the work that you're doing is exactly what needs to be done. Um, so keep it up. And, uh, you, know, I, I, you know, I do want to end on a, on a track and field question because a big part of who you are is, um, is the closer, you, you know, you're a, you, I call you the closer cause I've seen you race and, you know, I, I get excited at track meets cause it's not something I used to be part of. I had track and field was something and I, 
I, I, I've seen you run the final leg of a relay and it's exciting. And I see pictures of you closing out a GNAC championship. Um, but tell us about that feeling, um, the passion that's carried over into what you, all that you talked about today. Sounds like it also ha- happens on the track. Tell us about getting that baton from the number three runner on your four by 400 team and what that feeling is like after that perfect relay exchange and what it's like to chase that finish line. And, you know, I, I guess I, I just want to know how it feels. And, uh, and you know, I, tell us about that last race, I believe, that you were in was closing out the 4 by 100 uh, 4 by 400 at the GNAC Championships. I believe you kind of dove across the finish line and you won by the slimmest of margins. So tell us what that feels like mm-hmm. and, uh, and how much pride you take in that role. Yeah, you know, um, you know, I take a lot – I take tremendous pride in um, – you know, running anchor, I, you know, as a freshman, I had a chance to run anchor against UBC and um, edge out, you know, UBC at the very end. And that was kind of the first time where I felt like people got a chance to, you know, see some of my abilities and, you know, have some confidence, have some, have some confidence in me, right? Because like I said, I came from such humble beginnings. And, you know, when I start every leg, I always just think about like how far I've come, you know, being a walk-on, being, you know, coming off of, you know, a major injury and not really knowing, like, if I could really do this, I always think about, like, all those moments where I just didn't know if I could really continue or if I, you know, if I didn't have, you know, the speed or whatever it was, I just, I always think about, like, those times where I doubted myself when I start. So, you know, when Brian's coming, when John's coming in, I just think about that in my mind. And, but I also think about the people too that have just, you know, helped me get to where I am, like my coaches who trust me to run anchor and my teammates that, you know, trust me and believe in me to run anchor. I think about the people that, you know, want to, want to see someone like just give it their all. And so when I get that baton, I just, I reflect on those things. And that first hundred, I just, I, I, sometimes I don't even remember what happens until the last hundred, because there's so much emotion in that like small time frame. And so, you know, last, last year, um, start out 2020 with the GNAC championship win in the four by four and, and run against a, a really good Western Oregon team was, you know, it was, it, it, it was, it was a hype, it was a hype setting. I, you know, I, Derek Holdsworth was the anchor for Western Oregon. I believe he was the fourth fastest um, 800 runner across all divisions, D1, D2, D3, and you know, I remember when I, I got the baton, I think I had a few steps ahead on him. And so, you know, I was, I was pretty nervous because I felt like, you know, there, there could be a chance that, you know, I get caught, you're right. Um, and so I'm not going to lie. I was definitely thinking about that. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I definitely was a little bit, a little bit worried. And so, you know, I remember coming, I, I grabbed the baton and I just like, I just stayed focused. I just, I kept, I kept my mindset on myself, not necessarily worried about anybody else in the building and just focus on what I can do. Right. And so as I was coming around, I could hear people saying like, you know, he's coming, he's coming, like you got it, finish strong. And so I, um, you know, I was, in, I was coming down that final 60 meters, I think it was, I could just, I could just sense, sense that it was getting close. And so you know, it's crazy. It was just off instinct. I just dove. Um, I wasn't planning on doing it. Um, it was just at that last second. I just had an instinct just to dive across the finish line. I'm thankful that I did because that was such a close race. I remember talking to him after and he was just like, he's like, man, that was just very well run. I got to, he's like, 
respect, you know, and a lot of respect for him too. Cause he ran a, he ran a great race and everyone, everyone in that, that relay made it happen. And so, you know, John, um, Sonny, you know, and Mark, they, they gave it their all. And, you know, they always, you know, and Brian too, you know, you, I, I believe, I believe Brian was sick that meet, but you know, whoever's running on the relay, we all, we all believe in each other. And, um, we always, you know, do a little talk before our race and, you know, just tell each other, tell each other to, to go, to get after it. And I know that, you know, when I, when I start the leg, they, they trust me and I trust them. So it's really a mutual trust within our relay. Cause we all came in as freshmen, you know, so we, we've grown a lot, you know, like I know all those guys really well. And so, um, that lap, that junior season four by four was pretty big. Yeah. So many parallels to draw on here though. And after talking with you is, you know, your, your leadership on the track team and the anchor leg of relays to your leadership and, uh, you know, topics like diversity and equity and BIPOC academic support, the term advocacy. And, you know, all those things seem to tie together. And Miles, you know, there, you are a third guest in this series, Shelton Diggs, the men's basketball player, Keanu Gandhi, women's basketball player. And now you, and we'll have a couple more, but, just hearing about the things that you're doing uh, in the classroom, in the community, on the track, inspire us. And uh, I, I don't want to say that lightly. I, I, I learn a ton from the student athletes that I get to publicize in my job. And um, I enjoy seeing your smile in the hallway and Carver and talking track and learning, but also just these conversations are so powerful. So I, I thank you for joining us. I thank you for how, how having this conversation with us and, and being so honest and humble at the same time and educational. And I can't wait to see the great things that you're going to do in your career and the impact that you've made at Western will be long felt. And I know it's not even close to over because um, graduation is coming, but uh, thank you for joining us on Viking Voices. Thank you for being inspiring. Thank you for being a Viking. Absolutely. I, once again, uh, it was a great, great conversation and um, look forward to hearing the, you know, the future, future speakers that come on and all the best wishes to you as always. And um, yeah, it was a pleasure. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Miles. As always, uh, be safe out there and go Vikings.